Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Waste Management Phoenix Open DraftKings Picks in preview. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars for all you audio listeners out there. And even if you're not an audio listener, now is the time to become an audio listener because if you subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Podcast, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about this show, you'll be in a draw for, get this, 100 DraftKings dollars. If you want to get into the draw for 20 DraftKings dollars. If you are a video consumer of the show, smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which player above $9,000 you are going to fade at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. You do that, you're in the draw, 20 DK bucks, boom. Winners announced on Monday's show with Jeff Feinberg. Other things to do, fantasynational.com slash PME gets you 20% off if you plan on playing a whole bunch of lineups or doing any research whatsoever beyond just listening to this show, maybe even other podcasts. You want to dig in yourself, highly recommend fantasynational.com as the number one place to go for the most customizable stat base on the planet, plus all the tools, including the simulator and lineup generator. Why not give it a try? Fantasynational.com slash PME and the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. The link is in the description of this podcast and video. There's around 800 spots remaining. We made it bigger this week, so let's continue to fill that up quickly. That way we can make it even bigger for the following week. More money for everyone. It's rake free, so you might as well do that. Jeff Ulrich from DK Live is on the line. Coming off another Australian winner. Congrats. Yeah, no, I mean, a hot start to the year for me, which is really nice change uh, over 2019 for sure. But uh, riding those international players, hey, it's it's nice when the narrative actually works out for for one, you know, one of the hundred times. So which, which Aussie do we have to go with this week? Is it Matt Jones? <laughs> I guess so, because I feel like he's like the only Aussie in the field. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not playing the Aussie narrative this week, but uh, I am playing the international narrative one more week for sure. We'll, we'll get to that guy. So you're you're big on Sungjae? Is that is that the guess? Song Jay, Song Jay, yes, I, I think it's a good setup for him for sure. Definitely yeah. like those Bermuda greens. Song Jay does. Yeah, he seems to like all the greens. Either he really likes the greens or really hates the greens, as evidenced by his putting split. It's either yeah. a lot of strokes gained or all the strokes lost. Didn't like the greens last week, that's for sure. Yeah, but uh, I, I think he's a big change this week. I think it'll help him. Well, let's talk about the course a little bit. People are plenty familiar with TPC Scottsdale. If anyone like owned a Tiger Woods game growing up, then all of a sudden you're probably should probably hook that up. I, I saw Rick was playing like the course. Like I have the game behind me. I know TPC Scottsdale's in it. We might as well go for it. You can go low on that course. Uh, it's just over 7,260 yards, 7,261 yards, exactly. Par 71, there are three par fives on the course. There's a drivable par four, which doesn't generate a ton, ton of eagle but you, know, you can make eagle a lot of birdies but a lot of bogeys as well there's that little little pond right next to the green when you're going driving so there could be huge swings on the leaderboard if it comes down to that uh, is there anything particular about this course that you're focusing in on not really just uh, well i mean there, there's things but it, it's kind of a unique course in terms of setup i mean uh, i almost feel like it's best comparable it might be even like something like tpc sawgrass because it's got the stadium par three and a drivable par four, like you said, and then the part, some of the par fours are longer where, you know, you, if you can get it out there and hit the fairway you can give yourself a really big advantage, like hitting, hitting pitching wedge instead of like seven iron in for these guys is, is huge for the bigger hitters. So 
And the 18th is a great example. If you can put it in the fairway deep on 18, you you got a wedge coming in. Whereas if you lay back, you're a shorter hitter. You you've got like a seven iron. So uh, it, it's it's a good course. It, it's it favors aggressiveness, like you said. It's got some quirky holes down the stretch, but I, I think it's great for entertainment. I mean, you got 15 uh, a par five with an island green. You got 16 the stadium, 17 the drivable par four, and then 18 you, you got a tee shot over water. It's just a fantastic finishing stretch. So. Um, you know, from from stats and, and DraftKings perspective, obviously you want, you know, it, the distance definitely does play. Uh, it's emphasized a little bit more heavier than I think some of the courses we've seen so far this year. Well, uh, the first two courses at the Sony and the Career Builder anyways. So something to think about for sure. Um, but at the same time, like you're not accurate off the tee here. You know, the, the desert can hurt you. And, and if you're not uh, if you're not comfortable around these green complexes, that, that loads can hurt you too. So it's, it's definitely an interesting setup. So if you hit up the Pat Mayo Experience Twitter feed or just read my column on DKPlaybook.com, you'll see some of the putting splits that I put in there, players who have historically rolled it really well at TPC Sawgrass on these greens. And some of the names you might not expect. Bjorn Hanan is one of those, which is just shocking. And probably I had to like triple check because I was, I thought that there was an error when I did the calculations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Benny's Benny's done well at this course, right? I mean, it's definitely one of his favorite venues. And he's a player who's it's kind of like Sunday. He's probably had his best putting splits on, on Bermuda grass. So I'm not I'm not too shocked to hear that. But uh, there are some names, uh, some more shots. Like Daniel Berger led the field in strokes game putting here a couple years ago. Shoffley was top 10 strokes game putting here. Um, it, it is interesting to see some of the players that have popped up. These are these are pure greens. They're they're not uh, they're faster, but they're you don't have that bumpiness that the poa that just gets to some guys. They they can't handle it. It almost seems like, or they just get frustrated by it quicker. So um, yeah, the the Bermuda greens definitely seems to favor some of these other players. It's something to take note of for sure because I like going back and see who's who's handled the greens well here, and uh, you can really get players, especially ones who struggled last week just flip the switch so much because there's such a change in putting surface. Yeah, and one of the other big stats that I'm using this week is the Fantasy National Stat Opportunities Gained, which is a birdie and or eagle putt inside of 15 feet from the green or the fringe. Uh, I like it better to greens and regulation because it's not only just greens and regulation, it's greens and regulation or under regulation with an actual chance to make a conceivable birdie. Not to say the players aren't going to make 40-foot putts. That happens. I've heard, per percentages, far more likely to make a 15-foot putt than a 40-foot putt. I don't know. I don't know if that really works out, if my math is right on that or not, but it seems to be better. So over the past 36 rounds, the top 15 players in the field in opportunities gained right now, Victor Hovland, number one, Grio, Justin Thomas. I think my favorite guy this week who, now that I've said him, everyone's going to use him. He's going to be absolutely terrible because I like him to win next week, Jeff. I want to get your take off the hop, $7,000. Jimmy Walker's irons have been shockingly good for like six months now. Yeah, I, I took a look at Jimmy Walker the last couple of weeks because he did uh, he did sort of start to pop a little bit starting at the Sony, I think it was. So I I, I would I would agree. Um, I, I like waiting on him for for one more week. Um, Walker's never been a guy who just shows up at these, and quite frankly, outside of of certain venues, really. Like I mean, he, when he was good, he he'd make the cut here, but he'd never really contend. I think for GPPs though, seven K. I mean, it, it's it's fine. I mean, it's definitely a player you can mix in your player pool. Um, his irons are, are good. I mean, it's just a, a matter of Walker is, can you sink enough putts on, on these putting surfaces? And then uh, is he going to find enough fairways? So um, I think he's a little bit of a risky play this week, but the, the upside is definitely there that it looks like something is going to be popping for Jimmy Walker at some point. Now, 
Riviera's coming up and Pebble. Those are much more likely venues for, for Jimmy Walker over his career. We've, we've seen him pop even when he's not playing well. So um, it, it's an interesting GPP pick. I wouldn't go super crazy, but uh, I kind of like where you're going with it for sure. Oh, I, I much prefer Jimmy Walker next week at the yeah. three-course rotation at Pebble Beach. Fun one about this week. There's only one course. That's really nice. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't like these course rotations. Tatori is okay. I absolutely hate Pebble and not really a fan of, of the desert or whatever, the American Express. It's, now, it's Ellie, the, the two is fine because you get the first two days yeah. and then everyone plays on the same course. The American Express is ludicrous. Yeah, it, it's ludicrous from a, a television standpoint. From trying to handicap it, you, you first round leader and stuff. The, the one good thing about some of these events is you can find holes in the betting market. Like, you know, especially I think it was, it, yeah, it was last week. You, you know, when the the leaderboard kind of had an outage and some of these live betting places didn't quite catch up to the fact Ryan Palmer was going absolutely nuts. So you, you can you can sometimes take advantage of them, but you know, a you got to be on the ball and you gotta you know you gotta guess right too so it, it's still I, i'd rather just see one course it's so much easier and quite frankly it's just funner like it, you get better coverage so well jimmy walker has gained on fairway so on accuracy against the field just once in his past 10 starts that would be the major drawback like you pointed out to yeah. jimmy walker this week although if books felt like they got their got caught with their pants down a little bit on ryan palmer while he was making that run and he was still like what like 80 to 1 60 to 1 that kind of thing he was 100 to 1 and I think he was like one off the lead, like, to be honest, because I did hit him up. I was, I was just kind of shocked. I was just breezing through it quickly. And I was just like, what, what, Ryan Palmer's out there. And they got switched about five minutes after, but uh, yeah, no, they, 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 they were hanging some numbers there on, on Friday afternoon for sure. Well, do you think that the books all got together, pooled some money and paid cuss to tell everyone that Ryan Palmer was definitely going to win? Either that or, or the, the books just realized that Ryan Palmer's a really crappy putter. And uh, <laughs> by Sunday afternoon, that was probably going to come to fruition. And, uh, and it did. So, uh, so Hovland, Griot, Thomas, Jimmy Walker, Harry Higgs, the top five in opportunities gained over the past 36 rounds. You can customize all these, like I mentioned, at fantasynational.com. If you go slash PME, you get yourself 20% off. The next 10 down that list, Morikawa, Doc Redman, Russell, he is the one who knocks. Ryan Palmer, the aforementioned, Corey Connors, Hollywood Hoagie, Trey Mullenix, Cam Smith, your guy, Matt Every, and Matthew Wolf are the top 15. Does anyone on that list shock you? Now, the Hovland ones are tough because when I went back and looked at his weighted stats, uh, that's basically all of the rounds he's ever played because none of his Euro stats get counted uh, where he's been playing predominantly, at least in the new year, OHL Zozo and CJ cup don't have shot link. So his past like three PGA starts were not counted and none of the three corn Ferry tour stops he played counted as well. So his last like actual one, why his stats are so good. If people are wondering, you know, 10th at Greenbrier, fourth at Wyndham, 16th at John Deere, 13th at three M 13th at rocket mortgage. Like he was great those weeks. Uh, and that's, what's contributing a lot to this. Yeah, so, I mean, Victor Hovland's a guy I'm not shocked to see up there. I mean, even though we don't have a ton of recent data on him, obviously, um, playing certain his, his, his season over in the Euro Tour, probably because of just appearance fees. But, um, look, T to Green, we know what he can do, obviously, just from his run last year. And, and uh, I'm not shocked to see him on the board there. He, he's going to be an interesting play. Um, he didn't play poorly last week. It was just a little bit of bad weather factored in. Uh, didn't really play well on Sunday. But um, definitely a player at 8.4K, you know, like you mentioned, uh, a ton of birdie and, and eagle opportunities uh, he's creating for himself. I think the player that I wouldn't say it shocks me most, but it interests me the most is Russell Knox. Um, I know you kind of like him. Uh, I did have a chance to watch a show, the the Feinberg show from from yesterday, 
uh, last night. So that's good. But uh, Russell Knox is a player when his approaches get going. I mean, you know, his putter will eventually catch up. He's a guy who, who really has improved his putting over the last two or three years. Uh, I remember him stealing the, the Irish Open from uh, from me, a, a guy I had on. I think it was Ryan Fox or something like it, that. It, it, it was Ryan Fox. Russell Knox made that like 90-foot putt. He made two 90-foot putts in a row because he made it in regulation. Then he made the exact same putt in the playoff. It was a heartbreaker for me, but uh, the dude can putt. So it, it'll catch up eventually. And, you know, T10, I think it was T10 here last year. I mean, um, I, I don't have a problem with, with this this venue for Russell Knox. He maybe lacks a little distance off the tee, but he'll make up for that kind of like Ches Reeve and, and Webb Simpson does with good long irons and just finding all the fairways. So, yeah, I think uh, Russell Knox definitely a guy I'm interested in this week. I'm trying to think of like what the corollary courses would be. And it's funny because when we were just talking about Russell Knox and you said Chez Reeve, something kind of like clicked in my mind. So if we look back at who plays really well at this course year after year after year, it's generally, you know, Bubba is always lingering. Hideki always plays well. So does Ricky, like the big names that you would expect. But where else does Bubba play well? He plays really well at the Travelers. Russell Knox has won the Travelers. Chez Reeve just won the Travelers. Is that something we should be looking at, do you think? Or is that just me galaxy braining this? I think, I think there's a little bit of correlation there. I, I always like to, when I'm thinking about this event, is drivable par fours and, and some some water, like par threes with, with stadium. That's why I brought up TPC Sawgrass, but the Travelers is definitely um, like the other event that kind of fits that, right? Because it does have the drivable par four and it does have uh, a couple par threes. They have to play over water. It's a little bit more target golf. It probably just fits some of these players' eyes. I mean, I, I, you can definitely make a better case for Bubba being there than, than you can for TPC Sawgrass because he's never really done well there. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Travelers with Bermuda Greens as well, um, definitely a, like a little bit of correlation. I do feel like TPC Scottsdale is kind of its own beast just because it, it's in the desert and it, it's, it's you know, it, it runs faster greens. But at the same time, um, I'm not shocked to see that there's a little bit of correlation between events like the Travelers or TPC Sawgrass where Ricky has won, obviously, and Webb does well. And, and Kuchar does well. So I, I think those are the types of courses I would look at where players have been consistent. And uh, the, the thing about this event too is you do have a huge group of players who just play well here every year. Like it just seems like every year the same guys are on the leaderboard. The same guys are in the, the first round. They're, they're all five, six under. Um, it, it's just one of those weeks where you, you probably don't want to get too fancy with the top guys. Well, you still have to make those hard decisions between the top guys. We'll get to that Absolutely. in a second. Yeah. Leaderboard of guys in the field from the 2019 Travelers Championship. That is on, that's on POA. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but it's... Oh, okay. Lead. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Chez Reeve, uh, obviously won. Keegan was number two. Recently qualified for the field, DFS hero Zach Sucher was number... He tied for second with Keegan Bradley as well. Vaughn Taylor, uh, who has not missed a cut in the past five years here uh, in three starts. Kevin Tway, Bryson, Harmon, K.H. Lee, Streelman, Ryan Moore, Wyndham Clark, Brendan Steele, Russell Knox, Adam Long. So that's... And Sun, then Sung J.M. So that's kind of interesting uh, looking back at that. And it, that is another TPC course in and of itself. So if you want to say TPC Sawgrass plays into it, maybe it's just a connection of TPC courses. There's you know, common themes to some of them. I believe both those are, is it, is, yeah, River Highlands is a Pete Dye course, right? 
It was it's like a Pete Dye redesign course, but yeah, it's it's got very Pete Dye-ish uh, characteristics for sure. So the other guys, uh, the year before, Bubba obviously won. Good for Bubba. Nice cash for us. Uh, JB Holmes, who was also won in Phoenix before. Stuart Sink, Bo Hostler, Kevin Tway. Maybe we should be looking into Kevin Tway. Either this week or at the Travelers, one of the two. Harmon as well uh, pops up both times. And so does Bryson inside the top 10. Well, now I Bryson's to... really interesting uh, this week. I mean, obviously we'll get to him. But uh, the only thing that worries me is coming off the, the obviously he's got to travel overseas little bit of a concern but uh, it's not something that would put me off him completely um solid driver of the ball definitely you know he can make the case especially with his recent form um up there with guys like Hideki just in terms of consistency and length and, and t5 here and his first attempt I mean he's very much in it to win it uh until the final round when the year Woodland wanted so yeah um you know watch out for Bryson this week for sure so let's talk about the guys over ten thousand dollars John Rom, the ASU product himself Loser by a stroke to your guy, Mark Leishman, a week ago. Uh, in the first time we all ever heard of John Rahm, he came T5 here as an amateur when he was still in college. He's $11,400. Seems kind of cheap. Same as Justin Thomas. $11,200. If you had to pick between the two, who would it be? Because I most definitely would go with Justin Thomas. I think, I think just from, it, it, obviously, how you're approaching things and, and what you're doing this week, um, I, I would go with Thomas as well. There's a couple reasons why. First of all, ownership. Uh, obviously, I think most people are talking GPPs lineups. If you're making even just one lineup for the Millie Maker, I think you're just going to get lower ownership on Thomas. You mentioned the price on Rom. He should probably be 12K this week or like at least 11.8, and, and he's 11.4. Uh, it's just so easy to fit in for people. And then they just look, and, and the ASU thing gets played up. Uh, I'm not really big on the ASU factor, to be honest. I think it actually hinders a guy like Rom. Having to be, you know, near his home, he, and I've heard good people, players talk about this before. When you're in your own bed and, and you're, you know, you have the comforts of home, and you have, you also have the responsibilities of home. I think it was Woodland who talked about this. Actually, he hates playing uh, near his home uh, just because of those factors. It just distracts you enough. And you know, a player like Rom, um, looking back to last week too. I mean, what did Rom do really well? He putted on those greens really well. Uh, he, I think he was second in strokes game putting. He's definitely top ten. It's a completely different surface this week. I just don't know if you're going to see that same kind of performance. Rom has struggled at times on these greens a little bit. Um, I, I would much rather go to Justin Thomas. Um, he's just going to be lower owned, a little bit under the radar uh, coming in. Obviously, everyone is kind of talking up John Rom after the big uh, Sunday, especially the back nine anyways, where he almost uh, made an incredible comeback. But uh, I agree 100%. Uh, give me Justin Thomas over him, especially, uh, like I said, if you're if you're entering the Millie Maker. Uh, there is no not the millie maker. The, no the millie maker. I'm still on. <laughs> You're in football, football mode. Brain. I told you I talk about like three sports a day. Whatever the big contest is for uh, DraftKings, the drive oh, the green. The, the, the five dollar drive the green is big. There's a two hundred dollar single entry this week too. Hundred K guaranteed. That's not a bad contest. That's a good. I, I like that entry level. It, it, it's a good contest, especially if it's single entry or, or yeah. three max. That's, uh, it, that's no, a good, it, that's a it, it's only six. Uh, it's only. It's only single entry. It only has 555 people in it. Like that's a good price point for me because I will play a $200 contest. I don't normally because I'm not I'm not a high stakes player by any means. But if it is single entry, I could get like the 444. Not say that's like a bit much. Just I know I have no faith that I'm going to win that. But a $200 single entry, I can get lucky. Yeah, no, I I I definitely like the price point. I feel like DraftKings has kind of left a little bit of a middle and I'm not trying to criticize DraftKings here. We love DraftKings, but they, there is a little bit of a, like between the four, 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 some weeks and like the, the hundred dollar single entry, whatever they used to have there. 
there seems to be a bit of a gap. So if they put out a 200 contest every week, uh, I like that a lot for sure. So I will disagree with you that I think that Justin Thomas and John Rahm will either be about even in terms <laughs> of ownership or JT will be more. Really? That's yeah. interesting. J- J- just because he's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, but it's only $200 cheaper. I, I just, I just, I feel like Rom is, is going to get the, the boost here. I, I, I'd be, I'd actually be shocked if, if Rom wasn't higher owned, but um, I'm not the best guesser on ownership percentages by any means. Uh, I usually get a couple guys way off, but uh, I, I would actually still say that I, I do think Justin Thomas will be lower owned, but I guess we'll see. Uh, we're still, or still a little early in the week here, so we'll see what happens. Uh, if one of these guys gets a lot of run or, it's pumped up uh, on Wednesday afternoon. So what I'm trying to decide this week is not so much between the two of them, because I think the move might be just to fade both of them and try to build not necessarily a more balanced lineup, but go top heavy in other spots, because the elites of this tournament are quite high. But if I was to play one of them, I think I'd play both of them together. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting strategy. Um, you know, go all in, obviously, and then uh, bottom feed with the rest of your picks. It, it's definitely... It would have worked pretty well last week with, with I, Ram and Rory, right? I, so. I did that with Ram and Rory, and it, it did work out like pretty well. It's like I didn't have a ton. Like I don't think I got a six to six through with those two, but it wasn't because the crappy guys missed. It was like the hedge middle guy who ended up missing. Yeah, uh, someone I, I totally forget who it would be at this point. It's probably like Molinari or something stupid like that. Why I keep playing Molinari. I have no idea, but I tried it again. Um, but this week you can go with those two if you want to, and you still have $6,900 left over. Like that's not, there's guys in the bottom sixes that you could definitely do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, like most weeks there is, but uh, especially this event, I mean, there's players who have played well here, good, good course history. And I, I feel pretty comfortable making a lineup like that. Like, like you said off the top, 11-4 is, is really cheap for the most expensive guys. So you, you can definitely work him in with one other stud. And yeah, Justin Thomas only needs 6,900, but that, that's that's actually a pretty good average when, you, when you're rostering the top two guys that have 6,900 left over. I mean, you can still roster a guy like over 7K. You could still get like Adam Hadwin in there or something. So uh, I definitely don't mind that strategy. And I, I, it's going to be very unique. Um, I think most players will side with one of Rom or Thomas and probably just leave the other out. So uh, very unique strategy there. I still prefer um, just going down to, like you said, I, I still think fading both these guys might be the play. There's just so much in that sort of second tier of players to choose from that you can probably get lower ownership on, on some of these guys and, and really just kind of differentiate still by just going balanced. Um, so I, I think there's different ways to differentiate this week. So Ricky is next up. He's 10,500. He's followed by Webb Simpson and then Hideki. My idea right now is have a group of three of these guys basically tell my lineup generator, I'll put those three into it and say, every lineup needs to have two of these three or at least one of these three and pair them up. But Webb, Hideki, and then Xander at 9,900. I think that's the route that I'm going to go. A core of those three guys and build my lineups out from there. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I like having a core from, from this range, although I'm probably going to fade one of Webb or, or Hideki just for, for ownership purposes in, in the big uh, in the big tournaments or for my multi-entry uh, events, like for the $5 or whatever I'm putting it in. So um, it's it's hard for me to, to pick between those two. I'm probably thinking about fading Hideki just because I feel like there's a better chance that Hideki just shows up again with just a crappy putting week and in either – Maybe doesn't miss the cut. It's pretty hard for me to predict a Hideki miss cut here, but just puts himself out of the tournament essentially, which is kind of what he did at the Sony and and has done 
you know, for, for a lot of events, um, his putter hasn't warmed up at all. Um, doesn't mean it can't here. Like I said, the, 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 the greens are so different and Hideki's so used to these greens that, uh, he, it wouldn't shock me if he, if he flipped it, but again, we're talking about ownership fades here. Um, I'm not going to be on in both Webb and Hideki. I just don't like starting GPP lineups like that. Uh, definitely in on Xander though. Um, you know, obviously a, a good record here over his first two starts. Um, I think he got bit by the, the wind a little bit here last year, uh, in the couple last couple rounds, but he putted really well here around the greens. I like that. Um, he was playing really well right before the, the miscut last week, which really burned me, but, uh, I don't have a problem going back to Xander and I think you'll get the lower ownership by far on him out of those three. Uh, right now I have Hideki Webb and Xander all projected around the same, which is basically the equivalent of Rom and Justin Thomas. It's, and then you look at the bookends right. on either side. As it stands out right now, and obviously this could change, and this would actually factor into my decision if whether I'd want to use Webb or I'd go up to Ricky, who I have projected at single digits. And then you got Finau. Finau's coming in super low. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what it is about Tony Finau in this course. I think it's 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 still not – I like, I get it. I mean, he, if he's going to be projected 5% owned, I, I definitely understand why people would want to go there. I'm not going to be one of those people. Um, I just don't think the venue – the, the, the surface, the, the around the green stuff, I just does not set up well for Tony's game. Um, you need, you need a little bit of finesse around these greens, uh, especially with things like the drivable par four, some of the par fives where you got to get up and down and then just, you know, the, hitting over water and, and hitting onto Bermuda greens. I just don't feel like Tony is, is as comfortable in that venue as, as a lot of these other top players like a Ricky or, or Hideki or even down below him like Woodland. So, um, it's been going to change the narrative here one year, probably, but, uh, I'm fine skipping it to be honest. It's just, he's proven to me too much. And, and I, like I chased, I tried to chase this exact same narrative with Xander last week at the farmers and it burned me. I'm not going to chase it two weeks in a row. with Fino, so. The big thing is he had a T25 in his first appearance five years ago. He's now missed four consecutive cuts in Phoenix. He just moved to Phoenix, by the way. So maybe he's like familiar. He's acclimating himself with the area so he can actually make a goddamn cut at this event. But as we've seen with Finau, and I really noticed at the American Express, and you kind of hit on it too, it's not so much, and I know a lot of people, like, I've joked that, you know, he's a non-drinker, he's a Mormon guy, uh, the part, the frat boy party atmosphere maybe doesn't gel with him very much, just wants to get out of there. But at the American Express, it really opened my eyes to something that he just does so poorly. Any course with water, just get rid of him. Remember we used to make that joke about Palmer all the time? That like, oh, there's water. He's going to find like the one little lake and hit it into it. Fina is yeah. just wet all the time. Yeah, I really do feel like uh, there, there's something to that because I, I do agree with that sentiment. Um, like it just, he's just not a great, like I guess you'd even call it just more target golf or maybe like a Pete Dye thing or I don't know, whatever you want to refer to it as. I just don't think it's a great setup for Tony when uh, he can't just blast it off the tee and then, you know, give himself a little bit of room for error and, and be aggressive. I, I feel like once, once those targets get a little bit reduced, it, it seems to hurt him a little bit. I mean, just the courses when they're a little bit constricted, whether it's on approach or, or off the tee, it hurts him. And then you get a bigger open venue like Torrey Pines and, and he's just fine. He doesn't care. He can blast, um, you know, whatever. So I, I think there's something to that. It, it makes sense really when you talk about style of game as well. Uh, and we'll see him, in a couple of weeks at Riviera, which is another good setup for him. So I'm fine to fade him here. Um, there, there's so many players in this range too. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what you, your ownership percentages on Woodland are going to be, but I don't think they're going to be super high um, or not high enough that it would get me off them. So I, I'm, I'm fine going down and just fading Tony again this week. Well, I only have one player currently projected over 20% ownership and he's in this range. And again, this is a, 
Tuesday afternoon. So yeah. a lot is going to change over the next 24 hours. Guys will be like, oh, no one's using Ricky. I'll use Ricky. And then, like, Ricky's the highest owned guy. You know, exactly. being, being, being the defending champ and playing well here every single year, people will eventually go to Ricky Fowler. Uh, but if it does stay around the same level, like, I have no problem. I'd rather pivot up to Ricky than pivot down off one of my guys to Tony Fina. But after that, you got Cooch, Woodland, Morikawa, Bryson, and Bubba Watson. If I told you one of those guys is projected over 20% ownership, which one do you think it would be? Ah, it's, it's probably Bubba, isn't it? It's Morikawa. Morikawa, hey. People are people just like these the roster and these young guys. I mean, I assume Hoagland's probably going to get uh, pumped up by the end of the week as well. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, um, first time playing the event. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Morikawa. He's a fantastic player, super consistent, doesn't miss cuts. And I assume that's factored into this somewhat. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say about it. But um, if he's going to be the highest on player... He won't make any of my lineups this week. Yeah, that's uh, just because I mean, there's so many pivots in the range, and again, it's not it's not a, a player, but you got Bryson, Woodland, Bubba. I mean, it's just so easy to pivot off a higher own play, a high own player in that range. So, so would you go to Woodland? Like I have, like I have almost everyone here carrying a bit of ownership, except for like Coochers yeah. are just cracking double digits. Bryson's just a bit low, and then there's the ultimate Bubba conundrum. Like, what do you do with this guy? Uh, I'm in the camp of you probably use him at $9,000. That's pretty good. Oh, I, I'm in on Bubba this week. Um, I'm I'm rolling the dice for sure. Uh, look, he, he likes this course. I mean, first strokes gained tee to green, first strokes gained off the tee last year here. Wasn't even really playing that well at the time. And then, again, it, I, I, I don't really love taking guys who finish well to farmers at this event. I, I kind of like to just fade all those guys because it is a tougher week, but you know, you can't look away from what Bubba did there. I mean, uh, you know, first and strokes gained tee to green, I believe. Um, he even putted pretty well. He just looked comfortable. And, and when Bubba gets the tee ball going here, um, it's just really easy for him to be aggressive and give himself so many birdie opportunities. It almost doesn't matter if he putts well, he's probably going to end up in the top 10. So I really feel like when Bubba's grooving like that, it's okay to take a shot with him at these uh, courses that uh, that he likes. Um, and, and I'm okay with, with 9K. It's it's not even like you're, you're paying uh, – the super premium for him. I mean, he's less expensive than all these guys. So uh, unless he's going to get jacked up in ownership uh, towards the end of the week, then uh, I'm definitely in on Bubba. Bubba Watson led the field T to green on the South course a week ago. He led the field T to green last year at the waste management open. So this has been a very good course for him over the years. Uh, he actually tied with Tom Hoagie on the South course at 8.2 strokes gained T to green last week. Did you know that let's take out the year that Hideki got hurt. Uh, and hurt his wrist and had to withdraw after the first round. So he's had five other event series come fourth, second, first, first, and 15th. Last year, he still gained over nine strokes in the ball striking department. He lost four strokes on the green. It was the first time he had lost strokes putting at this course ever. Um, but in all of those five starts, he's gained over the nine strokes ball striking. So combine off the tee and approaching, you know that his short game is pretty good. Like that's the main reason that I'm so in on Hideki this week. Yeah. And it's like, it is pretty sick. I, I agree. I mean, like I, I, we're, I know I was talking about fading him earlier and, and it's mainly a tournament thing, but you know, cash games, that, that is where I would start. Um, even if he puts poorly and finishes T25, it's not going to kill you. Absolutely. Right. And it's just such a, it, when, when a guy just dominates a course like that over a period of time, um, it, it's hard to ignore, especially when he's 10 one and, and he's so much cheaper than, than the other players. And realistically, if you start with the decky, you can, you can jam in like two other nine K players if you want your cash game or, or just go balance. So you're, you're, you're getting such a good anchor play there. Um, 
it is pretty sick what he's done at, at this venue. It really is. I know I was looking at those numbers uh, last night as well, and uh, it, it makes for a hard case to fade. But again, can't play everyone in this range. You, you got to make some hard decisions. I do feel like, too, if, if you're really talking about players in that range, like Xander, especially, and Hideki, compare very well T to Green and, and just their games. But, you know, Xander has four wins over the last couple of years. Hideki has none. So it is something to think about. Uh, I feel like the ceiling with Xander, even though Hideki has dominated this venue, I, I, I would. I would much rather roster uh, Xander in GPPs. I think he's just got a better shot of winning. So, Why don't you just put them both together, and that's how you start your teams? That's a good idea. I don't mind that idea either. 8K range. This is where I begin to struggle just a little bit because, listen, it's hard to make a bad selection from the very top, but in this range, I'm thinking Grace, Chili Palmer, and... Matthew Wolf, because I can't quit Matthew Wolf. However, I will say, Scheffler is giving me good vibes. So is M, and so is Ryan Moore, actually. Uh, I'm good with fading good with fading Hovland and Reavy and Cam Smith. I know those guys are going to carry a bunch. you got to talk me into someone here, though, because like, I really like the gray second last year, playing better overseas, third and 17th his past two starts. Now we're getting him again, but like, Scheffler's just been playing so well, and I do think that the miscut last week are going to like throw some people off of him, especially with Hovland. $100 cheaper. Yeah, I like going Sheffield over Hovland too. Um, I mean, I like both these guys. But again, you, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs here. And, and again, if if we're talking about ownership and, and players, you know, trying to get players who might be a little bit lower down on sediment, I mean, this is the place to get Scheffler. I mean, he's not going to be 20, 25% owned for once. Um, it's his first time going around the venue. People will say, oh, he's got no course history. He just played a desert course two weeks ago and like just about won the event. I mean, this, this course sets up so much better for Scotty Scheffler, in my opinion. He doesn't have to play these greens that he's not experienced on with Torrey Pines. They're just, you know, simple Bermuda greens. They're not simple. They're big and they're fast. But again, it's much more comparable to what he did a couple of weeks ago. Big and straight off the tee, which again fits to, to the narrative of guys like Woodland, guys like Hideki, who are just, you know, consistent ball strikers off the tee. I love Scheffler this week. Um, that, that's definitely the way I would go in the mid-range. I've kind of already made my case for for him in my articles this week. You can check it out on uh, at the Fantasy Guy on Twitter. But, you know, a guy who just putts way better on Bermuda. I mean, six of his top – of his six – of his nine top seven finishes in the on the PGA over since he began his career, six of them on Bermuda. Um, I just like this, this setup for him. He can be aggressive. He's got the good all-around game. He puts better on the surface. Uh, I like Sanjay. I like Scheffler. And I think I'm kind of with you on Ryan Moore. Um, good approach game, consistent player. Although I, I'm not sure what Ryan Moore's ceiling is necessarily in, at this event, but uh, I, I definitely don't mind the price at AK. All right, so I've now whittled it down to, I think I'm going to fade Sanjay. I don't feel good about it, but I think I'm going to do it. Just, I know he's a good play, but that needs to be a spot where if I'm going to use a lot of the chalky guys up top, uh, probably using Sungjae is not the best. That's where I'll go with Grace. You would go with Grace over Spieth, right? Oh, yeah. I would go with Grace over Spieth. Um, Spieth has been okay at this event, but it's – you know he's going to – he's he's not going to be consistent enough off the tee. And then you're asking basically Jordan Spieth to be like as consistent as Webb Simpson has been with his irons – uh, which is just you haven't really seen enough from Jordan Spieth yet to say that he can do that. So, I, again, I just, you know, th- there'll be a spot probably to get back on Spieth maybe next week at Pebble, but uh, I- I'm not quite there yet. So, Grace Scheffler, I'm going to use Palmer again at $8,200. I don't know if people are going to go back to him, but, yeah. I mean, his worst finish this year is T21. Like He's been really good despite the – and that was last week, and he was winning going into the final round. 
he's been really consistent, especially off the tee, which is, is probably a really good sign for this event. I just, I worry a little bit about that putter that, that has seemed to really fail him over the weekend. And then, you know, you ask him to putt on fast Bermuda greens. I feel like the, the wheels might come off this week. It's just a feeling I have uh, tee to green. There, there's no argument to be made. He's, he's been spectacular, quite frankly, over his last like five starts. Um, I understand people who just want to play the stats like that. I just feel like Ryan Palmer was playing at a high level uh, that is probably not sustainable for him over like a longer period of time. And like I said, a little bit worried about how the putter unraveled him uh, towards the end of last week. So uh, I'm going to fade Ryan Palmer. I feel pretty good about that. I, I would much rather take a shot at, at Matthew Wolf, quite frankly. I just feel like he has better upside this week. So um, I get the Palmer. I, I get why people would go back to him, um, but uh, not for me. Uh, I will be playing Matthew Wolf as well. Like I said, I can't quit Matthew Wolf, and it was a nice rebound for him. He was, what, four over after the first round at Torrey Pines and ended up T21. It's not bad. Yeah, I was actually shocked when he made the cut. I, I had him in some lineups, and I was like, oh, what, what is going on here? Why do these have so many players left? And I'm like, oh, but Wolf made the cut. Great. Good job, Matthew. So, yeah, it's a, this is a good venue for him. I mean, he's, he's long off the tee. should have tons of birdie and eagle opportunities. Even if he doesn't, even if he makes some more bogeys or hits in the water a couple times, uh, if he makes the cut, he's going to be a good DraftKings play at AK. So. This is where he made his debut last year as well, and he ended up making the cut. He was actually like not necessarily in it, but he was inside the top 20 for a long time, ended up coming T50 after a bad final round. But that was as an amateur. Now he's a pro with a PGA Tour win. Let's go. Matthew Wolf, 7K range. I guess we should just kind of throw out some guys here. The highest ranked player per my stats is obviously going to be Corey Connors because he is every single week. He's $7,900. Although when I started throwing it out to you and we were doing that crossover, I never really liked Brian Harmon, but I'm going to use Brian Harmon here at 7,800 bucks along with Russell Knox at 77. And of course, Benny Ann at 76, because why is he 7,600 bucks? And that's just to tempt me to use him and then he'll miss the cut. Let's talk about Benny Ann for a bit. Cause like I'm a Benny Ann guy too. I think you know that by now I was on him the same year that, uh, you know, he, he ruined your bachelor party or whatever it was. Um, I'm a little worried about last, about his off the tee play since the start of the year. Uh, it's been pretty sketchy and, and generally Benny Ann is, is pretty consistent off the tee. doesn't mean that he can't just flip, flip it around here, but worries me a little bit. I guess I'm just saying exercise a little bit of caution with Benny on this week. I, I'm going to use him in a couple lineups. I'm sure he will find his way. He's 7,600. Uh, he does put great on these, on these greens. He likes this venue a lot. Um, he's a good player. It's just, he is struggling a little bit with that T-ball right now. Um, we'll see if it's like an actually, I think, I think this week is actually going to be a good barometer. Is that actually an issue for him or was it just like a couple bad rounds? Um, I think he's worth taking a shot on at 7,600, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to stick him in cash game lineups or, or make him a core play. He'll just be more of a sprinkle for me. Maybe I'll, I'll hit him for a little outright or something, but um, yeah, something to keep an eye on with Benny on. Cause he was not good off the tee last week, which is a little bit, it's a little bit concerning because generally he's, he's really good in that department. Yes. He's lost strokes off the tee in four consecutive measured events. He actually lost strokes off the tee at this event last year too. lost two and still ended up coming T 20. So uh, he's gained strokes putting in nine of his 12 rounds at this event. Far cry from last week when in three rounds, he lost over seven strokes putting. That's more the Ben Ann I'm used to. Yeah, no, I mean the, the putting performance was pure Ben Ann last week. Let, let's, let's make that correct. Um, but he, he has improved in that area, just being a little bit more consistent at least, but uh, that was, that's definitely a little bit of a regression, but again, I don't mind targeting players who sucked on the greens last week. That that's fine because players get so frustrated with those poor greens 
and we saw it with multiple players that it just seems to seep into the rest of their game and they make for great bounce back candidates. So um, definitely don't cross anyone off your list just because they sucked on the greens last week. Uh, the next two guys from the lower part of the 7K range, more of the veteran presence, but almost um, a lot like the same case for Ryan Palmer. I think that Brendan Steele, who generally plays pretty well at this event, uh, is someone to go back to. Like he's, we, we like to think that he's in bad form because he lost to Cam Smith in a playoff. But I mean, he was just in a playoff like three weeks ago. So, and this is a much better layout for him for driving irons you know maybe you can get hot with the putter so i like him uh quite a bit and the other one is going to be charlie hoffman at 7400 bucks <laughs> yeah i wonder what hoffman uh, if hoffman's ever going to turn this around hey like it, it, it's turning around it looks like at least yeah what did he do last did he play last week he was ninth <laughs> <laughs> This is how little I've been paying attention to Charlie no, Hoffman. Just no, no one is no one is paying attention to him. So in his one or his two weighted rounds at the American Express, he came T61, played the Pete Dye course really well, gained almost four strokes on approach, gained in both ball striking. He gained across the board in every strokes gain metric last week in the three rounds at the South course. Like it, it looks like it's happening for old Charlie. And I talked about that Travelers crossover. If I use my, I took the stat modeling I did for waste management and just applied it to Travelers uh, over the past 36 rounds. And Charlie Hoffman actually rates out number one if we were to use Travelers. This is great. This is why I come on the show to get the good info. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, Hoffman, obviously a good desert player too. I mean, I think he might've won in Palm Springs one before. He definitely had some top finishes there, but uh, look, when Charlie gets it going, he gets it going. He puts together like the strings of top tens. So maybe this is the start of it. Yeah, absolutely. A guy I'm going to look into for sure. And look, this range is like you mentioned steel and I was going to bring up steel too, because I like that pivot especially if like Ben Ann's going to get chalky or, or someone else in this range, or like Vaughn Taylor. Steele's been fantastic at this event. He just, you know, it, obviously he, he started the season well, but uh, multiple top 10 finishes here. His only missed cut came here last year, but he's he's playing injured last year too. Something to take note of. So um, he's, he's ball struck. Well, um, I definitely don't mind going back to Steele. who missed the cut last week. Again, good bounce back candidate, but yeah, Hoffman is, is going to be a guy I'm going to have to look into a little bit. Um, I definitely like taking a chance on him in this range because there's no one who really sticks out to me under here. Maybe except for Adam Hadwin, who's 7,200, just seems underpriced. Obviously coming in just because he, he took a week off because of baby swag issues. But um, I kind of like that Hoffman call, I'll be honest. I was just going to play Harris English again and, and like hope for a T60, but uh, I have to go up to Hoffman. I think I can do Harris English as well, uh, like divvy up shares between the two, because I don't want to be super yeah. overweight on Hoffman and have him go like full Hoffman. But you have Hoffman, you have Harris English, uh, Steele is another one, like you mentioned. I'd be more interested in Zach Johnson, but I'm not. Uh, I wish I was. He's made the cut here each of the past five years. Same as Martin Laird, uh, he, but he's coming in with some significant ownership comparatively to everyone else down in this range. The next guy I would go to, the two, uh, just... I've made a deal with the devil that I'm just going to use Denny McCarthy every week. I think <laughs> if I'm going to use um, ben, if I'm going to use Bannon and hope for the best on the greens, I'm going to do the reverse with Denny McCarthy and just hope that like he can figure out how to hit a seven iron. Yeah. The reverse. Uh, it's like, the, well, it's like him or Grillo pick your poison, right? Like <laughs> do you want to bet on Grillo finally learning how to putt or McCarthy being more consistent with the irons. I, I get kind of why you want to go, to McCarthy, especially because if it gets hot with his butter and, and just makes a few good iron shots, uh, at least you know he'll convert them. Whereas Grillo, who knows? Um, but um, yeah, I, I could see it. I, I, I think I'd prefer going down to Max Homa uh, in this range. Um, I want to say Homa might be a local here too. I think he is. I think he's, he's one of the crew who 
who uh, lives around this area, but um, he's starting to play really well. Um, but this is kind of the form we saw before his win where he was making cuts, putting together some top 20s, and then uh, he kind of popped. Almost a pretty solid player. He's, he's a guy who can get hot with his putter too. Um, so I like going down to him uh, as opposed to both those players I just mentioned. So I, I think I'd rather play Carlos Ortiz, even coming off. like He, he was playing so well, and then he was just a disaster to close yeah. out his first round. He just couldn't get anything going on day two but i like this is a rebound spot for him i remember he cashed me a nice three to one three ball last year after he was like plus four through three holes and just fired all the way back he makes a lot of eagles he's a good driver of the ball and he plays these long par fours really well i think that anyone who used him last week is feeling scorned and therefore you should probably go back to him because like in this range like lonto is still going to carry ownership despite burning a lot of people who was the other one all right everyone's going to use tom hoagie maybe they should after back-to-back top tens but that feels like a very easy not an easy fade because obviously he is playing well, but I don't know how long old Hollywood Hoagie is going to keep this up for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at some point the wheels will probably come off for Tom Hoagie. Uh, you, you might be able to go to him for one more week. I he definitely played well in the desert uh, a couple weeks ago, but it, it's, I think if he's going to pump up to like the, be the, the most owned player in this range, again, it, it's probably an okay fade. Uh, I, I do you have a, a, a just on how popular uh, Adam Hadwin's going to be. Like, do you, do you feel like he, by the end of the week, he's going to be one of the most popular plays in this range? Cause you really, you, you look at his track record here. And then again, at the other desert stop, this just feels way too cheap. I mean, Hadwin was pretty good over the fall. I know he hasn't had a start yet. And maybe that'll throw some people off, but I, I really like Adam Hadwin here. I mean, to 7,200, it just feels like a, a complete, I don't want to say free space, but it, it's pretty close to that at 7,200. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm way off here, but uh I really like him, if, especially if he's going to be like 10% owned or less. That's right around where I have him at is around 10% yeah. ownership. But like, I guess my question to you would be, why would I play Adam Hadwin, who I'm not sure has picked up a club since the President's Cup, or Andrew Landry, who won two weeks ago? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Landry is, it's just, it's hard to trust a guy who. I agree missed... with you. I agree yeah. with you about not trusting Andrew Landry, but like if we're going to try to reverse engineer the logic between one of these guys yeah. doing well, it would occur to me that maybe Landry's just kind of like riding a hot streak. It might take Hadwin a round or two to get like everything back to normal. And you just don't have that time here. I mean, you have a bad first round. You're, you're done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that, I guess that, that is, that's the, obviously the major concern with Adam Hadwin. He hasn't had a start yet this year and he's probably been practicing a lot. It's just, you know, it, babies do, it, baby swab thing is, is nice to talk about, but it is kind of hard coming in off a newborn, right? So it's um, it's going to be an interesting week. I just feel like it's 7,200. Uh, I'm going to get some exposure at the very least just because I, I feel like you're getting a discount on a guy who's performed very well at this venue. And, and like I said, at the other the other desert stop, the Canadians definitely like their desert golf. So um, I'll be in on Hadwin a little bit. I definitely get the case for Landry, just, um, you know, a solid approach player, obviously just one at, at the other desert stop that I've been talking up uh, a lot. So you could definitely go that way. Um, I, I just, a player that as inconsistent as Landry and as, you know, boomer bust, I'm okay fading, um, especially with some of the other names we've already mentioned, like Homa and even Ortiz, who, who, like you said, is probably a good bounce back candidate. So I'm out on Landry, but uh, I get the logic at least. Jimmy Walker, 7,000. We talked about him. Matt Jones, the Aussie. Very good at making eagles. Makes a lot of eagles. And you can eagle all of these power fives. Yeah. Matt Jones is an aggressive player, and uh, I mean, he came back and made the cut too. He kind of pulled a, a little mini wolf, although he didn't do anything on the weekend, which sucked. But um, he's been making cuts. Obviously, had the win over in Australia. I'm not sure if people know, but uh, 
He did win one of the Australian PGA events uh, in like uh, early December. So this is a player who's been playing well for, for a bit now. Um, obviously, uh, you know, he had went through a little rough patch, struggled to make his, keep his card, but um, Matt Jones is aggressive. He, he likes to play fast. He likes to be aggressive. Uh, he's, he's familiar with his venue. I don't mind him. And, and I don't, I don't hate Walker. Like we already talked about him, but uh, I probably prefer Matt Jones this week and then maybe go back to Walker uh, in a week or two. But uh, yeah, J- Jones at seven K definitely on my, my list of plays down here. Um, not too much else uh, at 7K either. I think uh, Walker and Jones would be it for me. 6K, guys, if you wanted to do that stack that we talked about at the top where you just take Thomas and Rom, these are the, you know, at least three of these guys you're going to need if you even want to bump up to someone in the $7,000 range. But looking at it right now, I like Cheston Hadley a lot. I think that he's going to end up being somewhat popular, another good desert golfer. The other guys I have stars next to, Sam Burns, uh, who another guy who rallied to make the cut last week for me. Uh, 11th in par fours gained from 450 to 500 yards and 5th in Eagles. And he putts so good on Bermuda that I think I'm going to lock him in. Grayson at 6,700. Doc Redman at 6,600. Killa Keith back on Bermuda. We got $6,400. Mark Hubba Hubbard, $6,200. I'm waiting for them to add Zach Sucker to the... Is it Sucker or Suture? Oh, I, I don't know, actually. I, I think it's Suture, but uh, just because the Americans tend to pronounce their names just like it's just like it looks. So, um, But uh, I actually don't know. I assume <laughs> that he gets added at like 61. I, I would use him again. Yeah, why not? I mean, geez, the guy like was unconscious there for a, a little stretch around the South course. He's having fun playing well. Um, if he's 6,100 or something, I- I'd pop him in. Um, I will say around that range, Jamie Lovemark is interesting. Oh God. I mean, why is, eight, why is he interesting? What is this? Like 2016 eighth in approaches last week, uh, or I think it was 18th in approaches, eighth in strokes game T to green last week on the South course. Um, it was a little bit interesting anyways. I mean, coming in off injury, I mean, it's a player who, when he's playing well would be in the the seven K low seven K range in a, in an event like this. Right. So 6,200, I think you're getting a player who's getting a discount on someone coming back from injury hasn't put in a ton of starts, but obviously flashed a little bit on top course last week. So I think, uh, I think love market 6,200 definitely like if you're going back in this range, you're making some of those extreme uh, like Rom Thomas lineups. I, I, I'd take a look at him. <sighs> I mean, last time you came on the show and I threw shade on one of your plays, the guy won the event. So who am I to talk? But I don't 350 know. To one. Jamie love this week, Pat. I'd rather bet Keith Mitchell at 350 to one. What's, what has Keith Mitchell done, though, except with this Bermuda thing? What has he done over the last month? Nothing. He's done nothing. He's done basically nothing since he won an event on the PGA Tour. A year ago. Yeah, it's this fine. Is a what have you, this is I, a what have you done late me for, for you. So, so J- Jamie Lovemark has three good rounds, and we erased three years of horrible play. That's right, yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that low. But, like, this seems like a very good Hubbard course to me. Just because I know he can pile up birdies and like in bunches. He's been really bad uh, for the past two starts, though. Uh, he missed the cut at Sony when everyone was on him. He did make the cut uh, at the American Express two weeks ago. So, I, I do like it. Uh, like, par four courses, he tends to play par fours really well. He just needs to see if he can get hot with the putter. And I, I think that he can. Yeah, Hubbard. I mean, look, Hubbard's a pretty good player. I mean, he, he was playing well for, for a long stretch there. So, a couple missed cuts. It shouldn't put you off him too bad. I agree. At 6,200, like quality wise, obviously uh, he's, he's, his track record over the last six months is, is, is a lot more quality than, than a guy like Lovemark or even a guy like Suture, although Suture has popped a couple times. So 
Hubbard uh, 6,200, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think it's actually uh, a name I would definitely circle down here. I think if you're looking for for more of just like a boomer bust play, Brandon Hagee has been playing well. Um, 6,300, he, he's a guy who could easily like, you know, T9 or just miss the cut completely. But uh, for GPPs, I'm fine with that. Um, so that's another name I, I kind of had circled. But uh, Hubbard down there for me, for sure, probably if, if you're just looking at quality, especially over the last, you know, whatever, 24 rounds or whatever, or 50 rounds, uh, he would probably pop up as top play. Are you going to use Harry Higgs, do you think? Harry Higgs is uh, is uh, Raza's boy, right? That, that's the guy he always brings up. Is whose? Ben Raza. Yeah, he loves Harry Higgs. And Higgs yeah, he loves good. Harry Higgs, yeah. Higgs has been good. I know, he's, he's been really good. And he wears those those glasses like he's just going to a frat party after the, the, the round or something. Um, I, I prefer Sam Burns like a lot this week. Uh, you brought up some, some really good points about just uh, the opportunities and, and the conversion and, and the Bermuda. I, I, again, I'm not so high on trying to chase guys from the leaderboard last week. Higgs is playing well, but um, I would much rather go back to Burns who um, again, better Bermuda putter um, that, and, and wasn't really in contention last week, which uh, I kind of like, I think it'll keep people off him. So I prefer Burns over Higgs, but uh, I get why people are playing Higgs. He's, he's playing well. He's really consistent. He's making cuts. So. Yeah. Higgs is someone to look at for Riviera. I think to be perfectly honest sure. with you yeah. in five starts so far this season on Bermuda grass, he has yet to gain strokes putting in any of those events, but he does have these like pop finishes like uh, on post Paslam at the Bermuda championship. He was second uh, last week at farmers. He was ninth. Uh, maybe he just plays longer course is a little bit better yeah i it could be um i definitely feel like he, he's a guy who when, when his putter gets hot it'll he'll, he'll pop like we saw last week but um again this is it's such a change in surfaces I, i'm not going to bet on it happening two weeks in a row especially because he's, he's probably gaining some steam for sure this week and i don't think he'll be super popular or anything but um as, as we generally don't get that many chalky plays under 7k but uh i prefer burns everything considered even if we're just throwing ownership out the window i would still prefer burns Highest projected own players in the 6K range right now. Hadley and Higgs are one and two, uh, 9% and 8% as a projection. Doc Redmond, 9%. But I think that's a more of a fantasy national thing where I'm drawing this ownership from rather than right. a public thing because he's rating out really, really good in the stats uh, so far this week. And really, outside of like Harold Varner, who's like 5%, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I guess like Chesson Hadley chalk week is going to be interesting. Um, I get why people are playing him, and, and like I kind of like him too, to be honest. It's just it's Justin Hadley, right? I mean, I don't know. I, if he gets over like double, if he gets in a double digit ownership, it's going to be a pretty easy fade. But um, maybe just a guy you could bet like top twenty or top ten, and then just fade G, like in, in DFS. That, that that actually might be a good strategy, to be honest. Uh, he's played well at this event, though. I mean, I, I can't say anything about it. He definitely has, has popped a little bit over his last few starts. He's just so inconsistent. Uh, he can putt poorly uh, w- with the worst of them, right? So, um, I, yeah, I, I'm okay fading him. I'd probably even prefer Higgs over over Hadley this week. I think I'll go Hadley over Higgs. If I had to fade one of them, it's going to be Higgs. I'll probably be underweight to the field on Hadley, only because I bet him at 225 to 1, and I'll probably play that top 20 on him. I think that's probably the right. best route to go. Bet him first-round leader or something. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. All right, Jeff Ulrich at the Fantasy Grind on Twitter. Pimp yo shit. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at the Fantasy Grind. Obviously, uh, DK Live app definitely download that. You can uh, catch some some hot vids from the hot takes from the Sweat Show, uh, which is a morning show, obviously every day on the interwebs. You can find that, and you can uh, look me up on my own uh, 
little blog too, uh, thefantasygrind.com. I uh, usually throw uh, some betting thoughts up there for the week too. So but thanks All for right. checking that out. All right. That'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handles something you like about the show. That's a very easy way to get in the draw. I mean, it could be your best week ever. 100 bucks on DraftKings just by winning a draw. Be better than listening to my advice. Maybe not Jeff. Jeff's been very good, but not me. You'd probably lose if you listen to me. $20 DK draw. Smash the like. Leave your DraftKings handle. Tell me which of the top players you are going to fade this week. FantasyNational.com slash PME to get yourself... 20% off, and the Pat Mayo Experience Listener's League link is in the description of this video and podcast. That'll do it. Good luck in Phoenix. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!